Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah! It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford did on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. I mean, we got a ton to talk about today. Want to start off with baseball, what happened with the Giants over the weekend. The Giants, as well as the A's, uh, making some big trades and them both paying off dividends in yesterday's ball games, both with the Giants against the Astros, as well as the A's against the Angels. So uh, we will get to that. Joe Lacob spoke to Anthony Slater of The Athletic over the weekend. Talked about the picks and talked about the future. And I want to go back and play something for you that Joe Lacob said because there was a uh, particular quote that he spoke with uh, Anthony about. And he mentioned that he said, look, I've told you about the money before and nobody listened. And I want to play the clip that I think that he's referring to. So we will get to that later on in the program. And Trey Lance. (laughs) Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo. If you didn't think the quarterback battle was heating up, if you didn't think there was even going to be a battle in training camp, well, trust me, there's a battle going on right now. And if you haven't seen any of the details, we'll talk about that a little little later on in the program. But for right now, want to focus on the Giants. And before we actually get to yesterday's game as the Giants won 5-3, That trade deadline was insane. (laughs) Like, that entire day, I didn't know what to make of what the Giants were doing. I mean, it just had to happen on a Friday. Of course it had to happen on a Friday. The 30th happened to be a Friday. But the entire day... After after that one Thursday where Scherzer and Trey Turner ended up getting traded over to the L.A. Dodgers and everyone is expecting Farhan to make a move, it was way too quiet, way too quiet leading up to 1 p.m. Because it, it felt like all these other teams were making deals, but then once Javier Baez went to the Mets... 
And the fact that the Giants haven't said anything, there hasn't been any reports, nothing like that. And we hear the news at about, uh, I think I got the Jeff Passan tweet notification at about 12.53, because I looked right at my clock as soon as, uh, as soon as I got the report. And they said, Chris Bryant to San Francisco. Once Javier Baez went to the Mets, the Mets were the only team that was contending with the Giants for Chris Bryant's services. The top three, according to Jesse Rogers from ESPN, who joined my show earlier in the week, were the Mets at number one, the Giants at number two, the Rays at number three. And it didn't look like the Rays were going to try to make any more moves for another power bat. So the Giants and the Mets, it was just between them two. And when it came down to it, Chris Bryant ended up getting traded to the San Francisco Giants. And the trade... Look, once Max Scherzer and Trey Turner were traded for uh, just a bunch of prospects, one of which has already been in the major leagues for a little bit in Josiah Gray, and they're hoping for some more out of them. But other guys who were their top prospects, I'm thinking, if you could get a all-star pitcher, a guy who started the all-star game while also getting a utility infielder, outfielder, and Trey, Ta- and Trey Turner, who was also in the All-Star game, it felt like if you could get those guys for four prospects, then the asking price for Bryant really isn't going to be too much. And in the end, you traded Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian, a, a, a pitcher. And quite frankly, those two guys... We, we don't look at prospects the same way that other GMs do and front offices, uh, uh, minor league systems. We don't look at prospects the same way they, they do. And I think Canario and Caleb Killian have more upside than I, I think we're giving it a lot of credit for. But the fact that they were able to just trade those two guys, you're not taking away Joey Bart, who's killing it in AAA right now, and I actually wonder uh, what his value is now, uh, Joey Bart, that is, because if he wasn't going to be the one that's traded, I, I, I wonder, they just said, what? No, we don't need Joey Bart, we just want these other two guys, but that's neither here nor there, we could focus on that uh, another day. But in the end, the Giants absolutely got a steal for this Chris Bryant trade. They did. Trading away just those two prospects, those two guys who no one besides maybe Killian uh, as a pitcher, but other than that, no one was expecting Canario to uh, come out of San Jose and be fantastic there. I got to saw him. I was lucky enough to see him play a couple of games. He was uh, a very, very good player, um, and then he ended up getting promoted, um, and then unfortunately he ended up getting hurt right before the deadline, and I personally thought he was going to be taken out of the running. But Canario and Killian aren't the two guys that everyone's paying attention to. We're all talking about the Lucianos the Hunter Bishops, the Kyle Harrisons, the Joey Barts, the Elio, the Elliot Ramoses. We're looking at all those guys. We haven't even thought about Canario and Killian. So when I saw that trade made on Friday, I was like, wow. Now, granted, I do think we are underselling the value of Canario and Killian. I think they are a lot better than people are giving them credit for. But in the end, you got a guy in Chris Bryant who has wanted to come to San Francisco. I recommend you check out his interview with Amy G. Um, You can go to the San Francisco Giants Twitter for that. But his little pregame interview, I mean, this guy is talking about how he's such a fan of Barry Bonds, how much he's wanted to play here, all these different things. And you're thinking, damn, that's it. I like that. 
That's, it, 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 there, there's something when, whenever a player mentions Barry Bonds and the fact that they grew up loving the Giants, you ultimately love that player. I mean, think about it. We love Brandon Crawford and Mauricio Dubon. I mean, not only just because they're good dudes, but also they grew up Giants fans, and you have an affinity towards those players, especially ones that grew up of the team of whichever you're a fan of. But it seemed like Chris Bryant was really happy to be here, and we didn't see him on uh, on Friday, obviously, and we didn't see him on Saturday either, but we did see him yesterday. And yesterday, in a game when... You know, the Giants got down early. Uh, Yuli Gurriel, who has the... I'm always amazed when I see Gurriel, not just because of his hair. And shout out to his brother over there in Toronto. His brother's got great hair. I believe his brother's still there in Lourdes Gurriel. I think so. They both have great hair. Anyway, Yuli Gurriel's swing is the longest swing I've ever seen. In my life. I don't know how this dude manages to get the bat around. I'm not going to say he is Miguel Cabrera, but the swig reminds me of that just because it's so long. But somehow he's able to get the bat on the ball and it looks like he's swinging out of his shoes every single time. But they go down 2 nothing early on in the first. Didn't get anything going on in the second. And then with two outs in the third inning... The new San Francisco giant, Chris Bryant, comes to the plate. It's an 0 1 count, and he does this. Deep left field. It is a home run. Chris Bryant, in his first game as a giant, has hit a home run for the Giants' first run of the day. Bryant, the giant, is what the sign said. 2 to 1, Houston. And that's credit to NBC Sports Bay Area for that audio from the 650. Saying they got over on the Bryant trade after one game is as relevant as grading the draft the day after it's done. Let it play out before you tell us how great it is. Depends. What draft are you talking about? <laughs> like, I I disagree with you on that because if I'm going to let it play out, then what? I'm supposed to wait three years in order to give you my take? Two or three years so I can tell you whether this trade worked out or not? The fact is, they didn't overpay for Chris Bryant. That's the bottom line. That that's what I'm trying to say in that situation. I mean, of course you gotta let it play out. But look, if you let it play out, then all right, you can come back two years later, and I'll tell you whether or not it paid it paid off or not. Because that's when those guys are going to be getting called up. It's going to take a while. You know, and the fact that they got their guy at that price. And one thing about Chris Bryan is, um, as we continue to talk about him here, but don't sleep on GM Scott Harris and that relationship that he had. He was an executive over there with Chicago's front office from 2012 to 2019 before he became the GM for the Giants. And that man had clearly built up a relationship with Bryant, and that is something I think we overlooked. But that home run from Bryant that he had in the third inning in that game, it jump-started everything. Eventually, the Giants were able to tie the game 2-2 in the bottom of the third with Brandon Crawford as he got a single and scoring Mike Yastrzemski. Buster Posey ended up getting on base. Then Darren Ruff hits a single, gets Buster Posey in. Like, it jump-started everything, and that's where having another bat in the lineup, just keeping things moving, that's where it's going to be important. Now, granted, 
it, it wasn't amazing, his game. I mean, Chris Bryan was only one for four, and he struck out on that first at-bat, albeit it was a long at-bat. I think it lasted nine pitches. Uh, so, you know, it, it was a good one, but he still struck out. And then he ended up hitting the home run, which proved to be the difference maker because Logan Webb had a pretty damn good start, giving up seven hits, two earned runs on three strikeouts, and one walk in his six innings of work. And then Dominic Leone comes in, gets another clean hold. Tyler Rogers comes in after that to be the setup man, gives up quite a few hits, but ends up inducing the double play, which scored a run, but ultimately didn't do much uh, to uh, add to the score, just added one. And then Jake McGee comes in and gets the save. So really, Chris Bryant helped jumpstart this Giants win yesterday, when really against the Astros... I mean, they were hitting the crap out of the ball against the Giants. The Astros showed no signs of slowing down there. And, hey, that, that, those moments where fans and the crowd and everyone at home probably at your TV are chanting along the, You're a cheater! You know, to Jose Altuve. Then he hits two home runs, one of them being a grand slam. <laughs> Absolutely crushes that ball. I mean, you know, what can you really say about that? That's the way to silence the crowd. Uh, before we do go to break, I just want to play Chris Bryan after the game and his reaction to hitting that first home run as a San Francisco Giant. Yeah, they certainly seemed it to me. Um, the first homer is weird. You don't know what, what teams do when they come in to celebrate the dugout, so I was kind of lost a little bit, didn't know what to do. Um, but no, I mean, the whole game, you know, just picking people's brains and sitting next to Buster and Croft, Crawford. And I mean, like I said earlier, I can't say enough good things about this first day. I'm, I'm, I feel like I feel giddy. <laughs> I mean, they felt like Christmas morning on it, honestly. Felt like Christmas morning. All right, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Want to play some other sound for you from that post game as we continue to talk about the Giants because there is still one thing for me that didn't get addressed that I do think they're going to struggle with uh, in this back half of the season and heading into the playoffs. So we'll get to all that next. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the text line and the phone number. Stephen Lightfoot in on the pregame show ninety five seven. The game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game leading up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. We had a wild trade deadline on Friday. And before I continue to talk about uh, Chris Bryant and just the insane day for not only Chris Bryant, but also just for the Chicago Cubs organization, a pretty sad weekend. But um, not only did the Giants make some moves, the A's made some moves as well. And I just want to share my thoughts on those for just a second here because they poached Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison from the Nats. And I got to tell you, I've been a huge fan of Josh Harrison. 
And it's it's not necessarily just for what he can do with his bat. The fact that he can, you know, play in the infield, play in the outfield, uh, can give you. He's not going to give you, you know, a ton of power numbers, but he can get the bat on the ball. And you know, or, or, over overall this season, he's hitting two ninety two. He's a very very good player, but personality wise, he is one of my favorites in baseball. He's one of my favorites. And, and was he was he a part of that? Uh, he let me let me double check. Yeah, he was a part of that Pirates team early on in his career. I mean, I couldn't imagine how much fun that was with him and you know Andrew McCutcheon and all those guys. But Josh Harrison ended up getting traded over to the A's, and he is just. Look, he's such a fun guy, such a fun player, and I think the A's really got a good one in him. I'm I'm glad they made that trade. Uh, Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen toward the end of the season here, but I like that one, and I also love the Starling Marte trade as of right now. I mean, he's been playing pretty damn well for them ever since he was traded straight up for Jesus Lazardo, and that was really, I mean, I guess that was really the first domino to fall coming up toward this trade deadline. The first big piece, it's like, oh, okay, teams are starting to make moves now. Um, But yesterday, he was 3-for-4, scored a couple of runs on his own, but the star was Jan Gomes, the catcher from the Nationals. I mean, this dude yesterday ends up giving him three RBIs, goes 2-for-5. Um getting the homer in the same inning as Matt Olson, making it 5-3, to three, and then he didn't stop, continued to pour it on, uh, and then he made it 6-3 to three in the fifth. So three RBIs for Jan Gomes in this game. I think they got another good one here, and these trades that the A's made, I'm not mad at them at all. I am not mad at these trades. I, I don't know how much of a push they're going to get on the Astros, as they're still four and a half games back in the American League West, but... At least when all this stuff is going on, you know, when for the most part, what's been the focus of the A's this season hasn't necessarily been the product on the field. It's talking about the product off the field, and the product that we're talking about is the stadium. A lot of that talk's been surrounding that, and they haven't really paid, you haven't really paid attention too much to this A's team, who's been going 60 and 47 on the year. There's been a little bit of a distraction with the stadium and, you know, everything with Dave Cavill. I've heard Dave Cavill talk more than Bob Melvin this season. You know, how rare is that, where you actually hear someone in the front office's voice more than you actually hear uh, the person um, you know on the team but nevertheless at least with all of that going on they still at least made a move to appease the fans in some way showing them hey we're not just gonna sell our guys at the deadline we're not just gonna trade our players when we feel like they have the most value no we're not gonna do that we're gonna keep most of our players we'll trade away Lazardo that's that's a you know that's a deal that just didn't end up working out but other than that we are willing to go in and try and win right now and I think that's what they're doing because this lineup needs a jolt. Uh, but, you know, and uh, uh, another part of this team that does need a jolt, though, is the starting pitching. And that's where I fall with the San Francisco Giants. Chris Bryant, the addition that they made for him, it was great. 
You know, and we're talking about how the Giants shouldn't be reactive to the other teams. But then when the Dodgers go out and make a move for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, you need to do something because they just added an all star starter and an all star infielder outfielder. <laughs> like, like that's where for me, I'm just thinking, man, you need to do something if you're the Giants. You need to make some sort of move. And what happened was that they made the move for Chris Bryant late the deadline at about 12.53, right before the 1 p.m. deadline, uh, one before 1 p.m. hit. And I really thought that they were going to – I thought it was going to be reported at maybe 1.30, 1.45 because the deadline, it ends at 1 o'clock. But that doesn't mean that there hasn't been put pen to paper if no one's tweeted about it yet. People could still tweet – after an hour and a half, um, and, and you know, after it's over, sorry, I'm getting distracted. I got you know, these guys in my ear. If you can hear what they're saying back there, but nevertheless, with this trade, the Giants ended up getting a bat, a guy who's much needed on defense, a guy who's much needed in their lineup. But in my opinion, they need a starting pitcher. All right, keep it down there, Bonte. Easy. You got you got four hours. All right. <laughs> But in my opinion, they got Chris Bryant, they got the bat they needed, but they need some help in starting pitching, and that's where my concern is. Because it happened on Friday, it happened during Kevin Gosman's start, and you're just thinking at the beginning, his location wasn't there, the top of the first took, what, like 45 minutes for him to get through. <laughs> like, like, it felt like we were at the top of the first forever in that game on Friday. But the starting pitching is, to me, what I'm more concerned about going into the playoffs because, look, you need a top three. You need a top three. You need a one, two, three guy. You need your ace. You need someone who could go second. And you need that third pitcher. You need that solidified in order to give yourself an advantage in the playoffs. And I don't know how much the Giants have of that. We'll see how st- sustainable that is going forward in the season. Hell, Di Sclafani, um, Alex Wood is the guy that's actually had the most playoff experience. But if you're going in there with Kevin Gosman, Anthony Di Sclafani, and Alex Wood as your 1-2-3 guys, and then you save Johnny Cueto there maybe as your fourth pitcher, Logan Webb as your fifth, and then you know, or you possibly just use four and then keep one of those guys as a long to middle reliever. I think starting pitching needs to be needed to be addressed at the deadline. I know this Chris Bryant trade was great, what they ended up getting for him, but I was made sad when I saw that Jose Barrios went to the Blue Jays. I thought that Barrios was the guy that they needed to get. A starting pitcher that wasn't going to cost you too much, and it would have been perfect. But nevertheless, they got their guy. They got Chris Bryant. And let's play this, because in the third inning, he gave the Giants the jolt that they needed. Deep left field. It is a home run. Chris Bryant. In his first game as a Giant, has hit a home run for the Giants' first run of the day. Bryant, the Giant, is what the sign said. 2-1, Houston. And that was with two outs in the third inning when they scored a majority of their runs, and it gave them the 3-2 lead, and the Giants never let that up as they moved to 66-39 and 39 on the year. 
Look, if anything, we've been seeing this time with the Dodgers. We've been seeing them play against the Padres. We know that they could stack up against the two best teams in the National League on paper. The Dodgers and the Padres are both fantastic, and it looks like the playoffs, including the wild card, are going to be made up of NL West teams unless you know someone else from in those second and third place spots in the other divisions actually start to step up toward the end of the season. But it looks like the National League West is going to be getting a division winner. Then the next two teams that are up for the wild card are also going to be from the National League West. And we've seen them compete against those teams before but now that we are seeing them compete against teams like the Astros who are one of the best in the American League we haven't really seen too much interleague play this year I think this weekend showed that they can compete with those teams but you know looking down at the playoffs that's where I came up with you know just the fact that hey I wish they would have added some sort of pitcher at the deadline someone else um, that could be in that rotation that can help solidify that rotation going forward. But overall, with this team on paper, that lineup that they were trotting out there yesterday with Lamont Wade, Chris Bryant, Mike Yastrzemski, Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Darren Ruff, Steven Duggar, Donovan Solano, I like the look of that team. I do. That's a that's a nice starting nine uh, that they're rolling out there. Now, granted, I, I, wa- I wonder what's going to happen with Brandon Belt when he comes back. They still need to add Evan Longoria to the mix, and I wonder how that's going to, um, you know, I wonder how that's going to change things. I wonder if Lamont Way is going to be coming off the bench. They move Brandon Belt to first, then they move Longoria to third, and Chris Bryant to left. I, I wonder if they're going to play Chris Bryant in center. We'll see how that goes whenever Evan Longoria makes his way back um, soon. He's coming back uh, this month, so in, in, in about a week or two. So I'm really excited for Longoria to come back, and I think this lineup is going to be looking really good. It's just that starting five that they're going to be rolling out there with that rotation. I want to see what that looks like toward the end of the season because the lineup – Already solidified right there. All right, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number from the 415. At least the Padres didn't get Barrios. Yeah, you're right on that. Who'd they come up with in the end? Uh, Jake Marisnik was their last guy that they traded after getting Adam Frazier early on. Uh, what's, uh, where's, where's the other one here? Yeah, and from the 650, this is something that I also want to pay attention to because the 650 commented, and I'm saying, look, with what you traded Chris Bryant for, the fact that you were able to trade Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian, who can be very good players. I think they're um, highly touted prospects. Ones that really we don't know too much about, but they're also players that aren't going to get called up for a while. So the fact that they made this trade, I felt like it was a win for the Giants in this moment for how well they're playing right now. And the 650 was making a good point, saying that they got over on the Bryant trade after one game is as relevant as grading draft a day after it's done. Then they continued every year their NFL draft grades the day after the draft when the players haven't even played a game. But that's also comparing apples to oranges, right? I mean, comparing the baseball trade deadline, any of those predictions, all the way to the NFL draft, two completely different things, because I'm with you. I'm with you. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about that coming up next uh, with the NBA draft and everything that surrounds it. But um, Joe Lacob spoke with with Anthony Slater of The Athletic, and we'll get to his comments on uh, Kaminga as well as Moses Moody, just so you can get his take on it. But... 
I do think that trying to predict how these guys are going to play immediately the day after the trade, I do agree with you that that is, um, it's just, at that point, you don't have enough research. You don't have enough game tape. You don't have enough of a sample size in order to judge these guys. So I do think it's unfair. And Joe Lacob on the other side, we'll talk about this, spoke about Moses Moody, uh, the 14th pick, as well as Jonathan Kaminga, the number 7th pick, plus another guy who was traded, or no, excuse me, not traded, well, he was traded for, another guy who was traded for, and another guy who was drafted, who we expect a lot out of this year, Trey Lance, the quarterback starting job is starting to heat up with the San Francisco 49ers. If you didn't see any of the reports this weekend coming out of training camp, I can't wait to hear Kyle Shanahan talk. That's all I'm going to say. 888-957-9570 is the text line to the phone number. We'll get to all that next. Stephen Lankford did on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in with you. 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. And from the 650, already got it. Relax on the trade talk. It's practice. Whew. We'll get to that a little later on, all right? I'm not going to talk about it right now. I got this interview from Anthony Slater uh, with Joe Lacob that I want to get to because he had some comments regarding uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody that I want to talk about. But we will talk about Trey Lance because there have been mumbles around not just that uh, that video that went viral with Bonte and Shasky after practice. No, not just that. It is everybody, and I do think that that signifies that there's something that could possibly be going on. So we'll get to all that coming up. But first off, I want to get to this uh, this interview from Joe Lake because uh, before we even uh, talk about this one money quote that I think um, is hilarious, because we always hear these, um, you, you know, the the head coaches or or players, whoever it is, hell, even front office executives, we always hear them say, "Well, nobody listened to me when I said this early on." And Joe Lake have actually pulled that out in this interview. But first off, I do just want to say, when he was talking about the draft and the fact that uh, Kaminga and Moody went to them with the 7th and the 14th pick, he was essentially telling Anthony Slater that all of these guys that they had, that Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, out of all of them, they had them within their top 10. And this is a quote from from Joe Lacob. I thought there was no chance we were ever going to get Jonathan Kaminga. To me, he was one of certainly the top five prospects in the draft. But for me, probably higher. When it looked like he could drop, I couldn't believe it. And neither could Bob Myers. We didn't know. Nobody knew what Sam Presti was going to do. Nobody. Literally nobody. As you saw, he took someone nobody predicted. Although I kind of had a feeling he'd go Josh Giddy and surprise everyone. 
as soon as we picked seven, I sat there and counted eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, six spot six spots before us unless we make a trade. We kind of knew where a few teams were going to go in that window. We were hoping maybe one or two would surprise and we could maybe get moody more than one or two surprised. And that was actually from Bob Myers, that last one. But I just got to say that if you hear that, you hear the first thing from Joe Lacob, who said literally nobody, nobody was expecting him to fall to us on our draft board. You're hearing Myers say that. It really reminds me of a fantasy football draft. (laughs) You know, like imagine that you're Joe Lacob and let's just X out the names of these guys. If If there are any pronouns in this in this quote, Think about it if you're playing fantasy football as fantasy football drafts are going to be underway here uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, think about this. Like it, with the way Joe Lacob was speaking about these picks, it's like when you have that one player in fantasy football that you're focusing on that you don't think is going to fall to you. I mean, the one this year is probably going to be like C.D. Lamb from the Dallas Cowboys or something like that. But as you're watching the draft, you're thinking there's no way that this guy falls to me. And as you're watching it, as you're watching these other teams make their picks, you're thinking, oh, they didn't sign him. Oh, they didn't draft him. They didn't do it. I mean, listen to this quote one more time. It's literally like they're playing fantasy football. I thought there was no chance we were ever going to get blank. To me, he was one of certainly the top five prospects in the draft, but for me, probably higher. When it looked like he could drop, I couldn't believe it, and neither could Bob. We didn't know. Nobody knew what Sam Presti was going to do. Nobody, literally nobody. As you saw, he took someone nobody predicted, although I kind of had a feeling he'd go with Giddy and surprise everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Like like hearing that, it's just you take out any of the pronouns in that. It reminded me of fantasy football with that. And they are just counting down the picks as soon as they get them. But Joe Lacob continued talking about their draft picks, said, bottom line, I like, and this is Jonathan Kaminga he's talking about, bottom line, I like how he has a natural instinct to play with force. That sounds like a simple thing, but it's not that common. Bob and I have felt for several years that we've needed physicality, athleticism and physicality. That's what really excites me about him. We've started to transform our team with James Wiseman and now him. We're bigger and more athletic. Both those guys and Moody have seven-foot wingspans. We love wingspans, as you know. One thing that I want to mention here as well, because I I don't think it's fair to judge what Kaminga and Moses Moody are going to turn into. I don't know what the rotations for Steve Kerr are going to look like in the regular season. I mean, we're all assuming that maybe Kaminga can take Wiggins' place in that second unit, maybe give uh, Wiggins a little breathing room after that first quarter. Or maybe they're going to stick with it and have Wiggins, you know, have him play that role where he starts out the first quarter, plays until there's about four minutes left in the first, then starts off the second uh, second quarter with that second unit. I, I don't know if that's how it's going to be, but I wonder if Kaminga's going to take his place. When they're talking about athleticism and physicality, we know that James Wiseman has the skill. We know that he has the athleticism. But I think the physicality is something that we missed out on with Wiseman. The way that he's able to box out, the way that he's going to try and grab the offensive boards, make the defense work. You know, the way that we we know that he could shoot. We know that he can go up for an alley-oop. We know that he could stretch out for possibly a bad pass and get it in for a dunk. We understand that he could do all those things, play on both ends of the floor. But it's just that physicality 
that we need from Wiseman. And I don't know if that's gonna. Uh, I don't know if that's gonna make its way into his play in this year too. I don't know how much more physical he's going to be. It might take a couple more years for that. But if we're talking athleticism and physicality, and they want it to work in the future, Wiseman's for sure gonna have to be more physical there, and not only just grabbing rebounds, but going up for layups, getting to the line, shooting free throws, doing all those different things, getting the ball in the post, and just bullying whoever's guarding him maybe get a mismatch you know whoever it is and then go in and just try and get uh, get a layup get a foul whatever it is but that's really what I took away from that I know why uh, Kaminga and Moody they can be physical but if we're talking about a jump from year one to year two I personally think James Wiseman has to be much better in that physicality category and I think he can be I mean, the, the dude was, what, 19, turned 20 years old during the season last year? Like, he still has plenty of time to grow into his body. But it looks like it's going to be that same thing with Kaminga and Moody as they are both younger. But here's what, uh, here's what, got, here's what got me in this interview. This is from Joe Lacob. Quote, Honestly, this is sort of my dream. And I know this isn't popular with a lot of people. They think we ought to go get the next star. We already have the stars, and we have a payroll that's, and I've said this when I was interviewed before, but nobody listened. It's very unlikely I've said that we're not going to trade for anybody that people are expecting. Very unlikely. It's not impossible, but if it was going to be somebody, it was going to be somebody really great. It was going to be a big trade. It's unlikely. And here is exactly what he's referencing. I go back to... I don't know whether this is with the 20th or the 21st of June, but I go back to towards the end of June, the 20th or the 21st, not sure which one, but Joe Lacob was on the Tim Kawakami show, the TK show, and he had this to say regarding getting a veteran. Would you want two rookies to throw in this mix, or would you strongly look at, hey, if you get two picks, you might want to trade at least one of them to get a veteran. That's your way to get a pretty good veteran to add. And Bob has been pretty clear that you want to add that. I know that's what the media is saying. I don't <laughs> think that happens. And I'm sorry, it's just not possible to do. You can't acquire a veteran with a big contract. The numbers are impossible. No team, no matter how we're we're good at you know a good economic situation. Uh, if we get out of COVID, which we it looks like we are, but it's just not possible to do. We already have the, by far and away the largest payroll in the history of the league. It's not a question of not wanting to do it. It's just busy. It's just not possible. So getting a veteran with a big contract, that's not happening. You know, stop thinking that. Stop analyzing it. Stop saying it because it's just not happening. And, and you know what's funny about this entire thing? It's us as fans thinking we understand how to build a team. <laughs> we, it, it's like we understand the, what it's like being in Joe Lacob or Bob Meyer's shoes, Joe Lacob, you know, being the, the, the one who approves anytime you're trying to pay for a player, Bob Myers making any of the decisions personnel wise, roster wise, whatever it is. Uh, but here's the quote from Lacob. Maybe we get lucky and some guy emerges right away, but maybe it's in year two. Look at Poole late last season. Kobe Bryant didn't emerge until year three. If you go back and look at history, that's the way it's been. Your expectation has to be generally that it's year two or three. I'm okay with that. Maybe some of our fans aren't. But I think they don't understand our payroll limitations. We can't add another star without losing one of our stars. 
And I like our stars. So this is the next best thing to do. That's the way we're approaching this. And then I look no further to a report from Kendra Andrews of NBC Sports Bay Area. And she wrote this article yesterday. And she said the Warriors have been subject to rumors of trading away Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, their two 2021 lottery picks, Kamenga and Moody, and possibly even future draft picks. But a source within the Golden State organization told NBC Sports Bay Area that there's only one player they'd be willing to give all that away for, and that player isn't even available yet. Yet. And then she goes on to mention that the obvious answer there uh, would be just to assume that that source is talking about Bradley Beal. But Bradley Beal hasn't even uh, accepted that he's going to be traded. He's denied getting traded from the Wizards, and I think that they would keep him if, if if they really wanted to, and they'd pay him that money and tried to build the team around him. But I wonder, the thing is that's gotten me about all these trade talks in the past, because I said, look, if you're giving away these two guys whom I didn't know what the, who the picks were going to be, if you were just giving away the 7th and the 14th pick, and you managed to get those for Beal, and then maybe you add in there um, a Wiseman or a Wiggins, I'm saying you would consider it. But also, I can't imagine what it's like in doing some thinking about this, being... Bob Myers in a situation where you got these big contracts that are left with Clay, who hasn't even played any of the years under his contract yet, with Wiggins, who still got that big deal, whose max extension is exactly the same as Joel Embiid's, and then you got Draymond Green's deal that still has yet to be played out. You also got to give a new deal to Steph, who's looking for that extension, and he's coming up uh, on his last year next season. Like... I wonder what the balance is for Bob Myers in order to try and I wonder what the balance is in order to try and build for the future, but also win now, because that's what those two picks showed me. The fact that you kept Kaminga and Moses Moody and, you know, it's assumed that they're going to be playing into the uh, into the 2021 season here. But if you are Bob Myers, how do you balance that? And they're in a really strange position right now financially where you just can't go out and win now. Can't get that star that's going to cost you a lot of money. Now, granted, free agency is actually starting today at 3 o'clock, so pay attention to that. See if the Warriors maybe sign anybody with the mid-level, with the veteran minimum, whatever it may be. And secretly, I'm, I'm quietly hoping that they do get Robin Lopez with the mid-level exception. I know that doesn't sound like Nutch. That's not a very sexy name. But if you can get him coming off the bench, he can give you some good post moves. He can give you a little bit of rebounding here and there. I wouldn't mind Robin Lopez on this team coming off the bench. I think it'd be a nice uh, compliment to these other guys. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, Nick Batum's also a possibility. I'd be interested in Nick Batum. Can't have enough wing forwards, and it seems like he rejuvenated his career uh, with the Clippers after signing that huge deal with uh, the Charlotte Hornets and just it not panning out. So I do wonder what they're going to do at the 3 p.m. deadline, but having to balance out your veterans, your stars right now, while also trying to develop in the future when those guys' contracts are up, 
I just can't imagine being in Bob Meyer's shoes. And we're the fans acting like, yeah, we know what's perfect for this team going forward. Man, if we were, if we were the GM, We'd make all the right decisions. We'd draft the perfect players. We'd develop them, develop them into who we think they can be, while also trading for stars and keeping all of our money on there uh, in the books. We're gonna do it. We're gonna be perfect as GMs, <laughs> you know. That's kind of how we've all. Uh, that, that's how we've all panned out. All right, let me transition on to some 49ers talk here as we talk about some rookies to another rookie. And before we do get to that, I just got to play this one more time. When you look at Modi Moses, Modi 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 Moses Modi Moses Moses Modi what he did in college. Someone get in there to help my man perk out the next time that he's stumbling over a name. We've all done it. We've all done it in the media when a microphone is put to our face. Someone to get in there and help him out. <laughs> like, how many times before he stumbles over the name Moses Moody does someone have to go and help Perk out? Shout out to you, Reese Davis, for getting in there. But I just want to read you one line, 49er fans, and 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Are you still on the... You need to start Jimmy G train week one. You can't you, you, you can't start a rookie, especially coming out of North Dakota State. That's you're you're just wasting a year of Jimmy Garoppolo at that point. Or are you on the no, you need to start Trey Lance now, start him week one because you traded three picks for him. Like, you better get something out of this guy. Start him week one. Get him experienced early against NFL defenses. Which side are you on at 888-957-9570? That's the text line and the phone number. I just want to read a snippet from Matt Barrows' article in The Athletic. Of course, Matt Barrows, 49er beat writer, very well known. And he had five observations from 49ers training camp. And the first one, here's the headline, Trey Lance is on the attack. That's the headline. And this is, and he he types out like basically mini essays for each of these uh, observations. And towards the end, this is what he had to say in his article. Is Garoppolo's starting job in danger? There have only been four practices, and Shanahan likely will be stingy in his praise of Lance. He'll want to keep the pressure on the rookie. Still, the notion that Lance could overtake Garoppolo early in the season, which seems so far-fetched on draft day and after OTAs, it appears far more realistic today. today. Now, I just read that from Matt Barrows, and you could go anywhere to read a 49ers blog, read a 49ers article, whatever it is. You can go to 95.7 The Game's Twitter page and you can catch Bonte and Joe's reactions to that if you want. Can't wait to hear what they have to say about it coming up from 6 to 10. But let me tell you this. We have seen a quarterback battle before. But these writers, they don't come out with something as definite as that. Because apparently Trey Lance over the weekend has continued to impress. They had the day off yesterday, but he's continued to impress far past OTAs. It seems like he's made some sort of substantial leap now that they're starting to get a good look at him. And the reports are that Trey Trey Lance just looks better than Garoppolo. Just looks better, has the better size, more athleticism, the mobility, the arm, everything. All the attributes that you'd want in a quarterback, he's better than with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
And here's my take on it. And this is this has been what I was saying after the draft. And you know, you can go back, and you know, no one's ever going to do this. But you, I could I could replay you. You know, one of my little snippets from the day after the draft. I think if you trade this many assets for a guy in Trey Lance who didn't even play last season, played what one spring game. If you trade for this guy and you don't get him prepared and ready to start week one, and instead you're going to be having Jimmy Garoppolo go in there, I've been hearing so much of the people forgot about how good Jimmy Garoppolo is, and everyone goes back to 2019. Everybody goes back to 2019 whenever they're talking about Garoppolo, and rightfully so. It was his winning season. But I remember seeing a Garoppolo in 2020 before he got hurt. And, you know, you could use the offensive line as an excuse if you want. Maybe he didn't look good behind an offensive line that uh, really just didn't look in sync with one another. But he didn't. There were certain things that Garoppolo was doing before he got hurt again that you just thought. Yeah, he doesn't look the same as 2019. And it was his field vision. It was the decision-making, how quick he is to get the ball out. That's one of Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, best traits, right, is the fact that he can not only make the decisions quickly, but he can get the ball out quickly. And it seemed like he was taking a while to make those decisions even before. And, you know, you, you hold the ball on too long, and you got these defenses coming at you with a pass rush, and then, you know, he ends up getting hurt twice in the season but I just didn't see much of the benefit of starting him right you could start him right away but if you think that the Niners are just going to keep him going all season unless you're you know you're winning every single game I don't know if that's going to happen but you need to start Trey Lance week one just so you can stay out of that whole oh do we do we bench Jimmy now do we start Trey Lance and you know you're into the into what week 9 week 10 of the season and you need you have some decisions to make going forward cuz your team is right on the edge i say you go out there and you start the season with Trey Lance and you see how he does right away that's really where i'm at that's where i've been at and all these reports coming out of practice and training camp and all that it just affirms what I think. And also, you don't want this dude sitting on the bench going up against NFL defenses a year later. Like, I just don't see the benefit in that. The talks are heating up, though. <laughs> in this trading camp, this preseason, it's going to be insane. I can't wait to hear what uh, Joe and Bonte have to say about it. They're coming up next along with the morning roast. Dave Fleming is going to be joining them at 8 o'clock. Can't wait to hear his thoughts regarding Chris Bryant and his addition to the Giants. Anthony Slater is going to be coming on at 8.50. And as I just referenced, Anthony Slater spoke with Joe Lacob, so we'll get his thoughts on that article. But I guarantee you, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo are going to be a talking point today because these guys are on fire. Thanks so much, everyone. And for the 650, LMAO, nope, you're so wrong. Thanks so much. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.